0: Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope, that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Come on, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing? Y'all feeling good? Good, 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 good. Well, listen, I, um, I want to do this real quick while you're standing up. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you're, oh, or you can sit back down. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. However you want to do it, you're just already there. Just tell them, say, you're sitting in a miracle. You're sitting in a miracle. Sitting in a miracle. Now, that has nothing to do with my message, but I just want you to know that you are sitting in a miracle. Uh, like Pastor Ryan said, um, you know, we planted a church uh, January 26th of 2020, we were eight weeks in. Um, listen, we did such a great job at planting a church. It only took us eight weeks to shut the whole thing down. You know what I mean? (laughs) But you know, you have an amazing pastor, pastor Ryan and, and Andrea and, uh, uh, Adrian. Sorry. Sorry. I got an Adriana. I got Adrian, whatever. Uh, but, um, but, but they're doing an amazing job because pastoring a church is not easy. It's not. And you know, during this time, there were so many churches that actually began to shut down, but you stayed faithful. Come on, you know that God brings the harvest, but he calls us to steward things. And so can we give it up for your pastors real quick? Because they have stewarded very well, very well. Well, I I have a couple of pictures I want to show you just of my family. Um, I am a family of seven. It's me, my wife, and we have a hundred kids. There's a... there is Charlie in the top right, Talon, our new baby girl, Ren, uh, Tallulah. Um, that's Jackson. And Ren is shy, so she didn't want a picture. Uh, but I've got a couple of other ones as well. And um, it's my wife, and that's baby Tallulah. And uh, amazing. But I got one of Ren. There's, one, there's Ren. there's Ren. There's Ren. There's Ren right there. But, um, you know, guys, if you're taking notes, because I only have a few minutes, so I want to jump right into this thing. Uh, if you're taking notes, the title of today's message is Not Dead, Just Asleep. Not Dead, Just Asleep. And um, I don't know about you, uh, how many of y'all just enjoy your in-laws? I mean, you, if you're sitting next to them and you don't like them, raise your hand anyway. You, know, you just enjoy your in-laws. You know, uh, it, It's a funny thing because my in-laws are the type of people um, that they just kind of have everything. You know, they've got all the toys, all the boats, all, this, all the four-wheelers, all the side-by-sides, the jet skis. They're the, they're the in-laws that you want to go and hang out with sometimes. <laughs> but my father-in-law, man, he is a hard worker. You know, whenever I started pastoring and, I, and I, I married his daughter, he did not understand what a pastor was. He's like, man, you need to get a job. I'm like... Man, I got a job, you know. He's like, man, you need to go dig ditches. You need to do all these different things. So my father-in-law is a hard worker. So every time I go to my in-law's house, it's never resting. It's never playing with the toys. It's always like, hey, man, we got to build a fence. We got to do this. We got to do that. And it's just a nightmare. And so I like to go occasionally from time to time. Well, not only do they have all the toys, but they have all the animals like they have the chickens, they have the goats, they have uh, monkeys. They literally have capuchin monkeys where their monkey cage is bigger than most of our houses. Like, I mean, it's ginormous. And so they have all the animals. Well, one day um, my father-in-law, he has this electrical company. He had to go out on this business trip. And so my mother-in-law calls and says, Hey, Charles Mariah, do y'all want to come to the house, hang out? You can kind of have the whole house to yourself. They have a lot of land, a lot of property. And I'm thinking, you know, is Mr. Scott going to be there? No, he's not going to be here. I'm not. I'm there, you know. (laughs) So we go over there and she's like, hey, you have the whole house to yourself. I just need you to take care of the animals. I'm thinking, okay, well, this isn't going to be too hard. This is going to be an amazing weekend. So Mariah and I, we show up and we take care of all the animals. We feed all the animals. We even take care of our own animals, you know, the kids, AKA, and uh, we get them in bed 7 p.m. Listen, that is a plus for us. I don't know about you, but it is like wrangling cats with my children. So 7 p.m., they're down and I look at my wife and I'm just thinking to myself, like, what do you want to do? You know, I like, I got an idea. You know what? It's the same as you. You know, by the way, I don't like kids. I just like my wife, you know what I mean? So we, we get in there, we start watching a movie, we're hanging out, the kids are asleep. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what it was, but it was like we heard this God awful screaming outside. Like what in the world is this? Like what's happening outside? Mariah says, Charles, you need to go up and look out that door and make sure everything's okay. I'm like, no, I'm good. I get up and I go and I look outside the door and literally there is a turf war going on. It's like raccoons and cats and the monkeys. Like, I mean, they're like throwing up gang signs, like, you know, like (laughs) crip walking, all kind of stuff. I'm like, what is happening? Mariah's like, Charles, what's going on? I said, there is a turf war outside. There's literally like 10 raccoons. They have their hand in the monkey pen. They're at the chicken coop trying to reach in the chicken coop. They're fighting the cats. And I'm like, what in the world is happening? So i go in, I'll go outside. And she said, you need to go and make sure you take care of that. I said, there's 10 of them and one of me. She said, you need to go outside and take care of that. I'm like, well, I'm glad to know where you stand. I go outside, and as I go outside, you know, I kind of do that like, shoot, shoot, like, like get on out of here. I kind of go out there all crazy, get all crazy on them, and all the raccoons and everything scatters except for this one raccoon. This one raccoon, man, it, it kind of like stands there. It's like looking at me all crazy, throws its hands up in the air. It's like, what? I'm like, yo, you ain't no raccoon. You a crackcoon. Got a hold of the wrong stuff. <laughs> what are you? And I thought to myself, you know, man, I'm just going to go on back inside. I'm going to go about my business. But something on the inside of me said, don't you let that raccoon get a hold of you like that. You better man up on that thing. I said, all right. You're going to learn today. Hey go inside my father-in-law he has this little pellet gun in the laundry room and so I go inside and Mariah said everything all right I said it's about to be I go inside I grab this pellet gun and I literally start pumping this pellet gun and I don't know come on man you know back in the day you had this pellet gun you would pump it until you couldn't pump it no more you would put it between your legs and you would give it a, a good extra couple of pumps you know what I'm talking about Like, man I'm gonna get that thing I go up on the side of the house and this crack had climbed up into the tree. And I'm like, oh, and I literally look at it and I pull the trigger and I shot this raccoon. Well, I wasn't meaning to kill the raccoon. I just wanted to sting it a little bit. Well, this this coon, man, he's up in the tree and he literally is kind of chilling. And as soon as I shot it, the thing went limp, just black. I mean, just kind of fell and hung in some limbs. And I'm like, my wife is going to kill me. She is an animal lover to the extreme. I'm like, I can't tell her I killed the raccoon. So I got to get rid of the evidence. (laughs) I go up to this tree and with the barrel of the gun, I go to punch the raccoon to get it out of the tree so that I could throw it over the fence. And I go to punch this raccoon and I kid you not, as soon as I hit that raccoon with the end of that barrel, that crack came to life. <laughs> it jumped out of the tree onto me and I was like, ah! And I ran, I ran out and I just like, I'm out, you know? Went back inside, she said, you got it? I said, I got it, let's watch the show. <laughs> You're probably thinking, what in the world are you talking about? See, I think a lot of times we can walk through life and we can begin to look at a situation and think it's dead. But the reality is it's not dead. It's just asleep. See, I think we can begin to walk through our life and walk through different times and different seasons of lives. and, And as we begin to look at individuals, we begin to write them off. We begin to look at that person and think, oh man, they're never gonna change. There's never gonna be hope there. There's never gonna be restoration there. We just begin to write them off. Some of us in this room, we might be married and we can begin to look at our spouse and because of things that have been done in the past or things that have been done to hurt one another, we can look at our marriage and think there's no joy, there's no peace, there's no love, there's no fun, there's no romance. And we can begin to think in our minds, man, our marriage is just dead. We can go through life and look at our children, maybe some of them young, maybe some of them older, and they've made bad turns and they've made bad kind of choices in life and they're living on the streets or maybe they're in prison or maybe they're in rehab or maybe they're just doing all these different things. We can look at our children and we can say, oh, there's just no hope. There's no restoration. They've gone too far. But I want you to know today, it's not dead. It's just asleep. Good. Good. See, I don't know what situation that you may have walked in this room with today. I don't know what it is that you're carrying. I don't know what it is that you may be going through. I don't know what it is in your mind as we're dealing with this mental health Awareness month. I don't know what it is that you're carrying. I don't know what it is that you're walking through. But I want you to know that even though it may look dead in the natural, God can still do something amazing in the spiritual. That there's still hope. You say it all the time here that hope's name is Jesus. I love it when I walk into this church and I told your team this earlier today that when you walk into this church, all you see is smiles. There's smiles on the back of the shirts. There's smiles on your banners. There's smiles on the signage. Can I tell you today that some of you and people that you know, all they need is a smile to let them know that they still have a purpose, that there's still something on the inside of them, that God still has a desire to use them and to guide them and to direct them, that they are not dead, it's just asleep. I want to read this passage to you in Matthew chapter nine. If you have a Bible, turn to it. If not, it'll probably be on the screen behind me. But in Matthew chapter nine, Jesus kind of set it up. Jesus is doing some amazing things. I mean, we know the gospels when Jesus is walking this earth, man, he's going from crowd to crowd. He's going from scene to scene. He's going from prayer to prayer. And here's Jesus kind of arriving on this scene after doing some amazing miracles And I want to read this passage to you because I think this is a beautiful picture of what I'm talking about. And if we can get a hold of this passage, I truly believe that you and I are going to be able to leave this building completely different than the way that we came in. So Jesus is talking and as he's talking, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died. But come and put your hand on her and she will live. Everybody say right now, say crazy faith. faith. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. And just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I can only touch his cloak... I will be healed. Everybody say crazy faith. faith. Jesus turned and saw her and says, take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. And when Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he says, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. And after the crowd had been put outside, he went in, he took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread throughout all the region. Now, I kind of want to just paraphrase and help you understand and picture this. I'm a very visual learner. I like to put things in pictures in my mind. And so when I read something, I like to think to myself, okay, what truly was going on in this time? Don't really know. I'm just kind of assuming because I wasn't there. But all I know is this is when you go back into the culture here, starting with the first miracle is you see this lady who had been subject to bleeding for not a month, for not a day, for not a week, but for 12 years, 12 years. Now, back then in that age of timing, that culture, when a woman was on her monthly, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if kids are around, but, you know, doing what you do. (laughs) The women actually would go inside to the home and they were not allowed to kind of be out in public because they were dirty. And so this lady, imagine for 12 years, she has been kind of an outcast to society. This woman, who would not really be able to socially get around, she's having to kind of hide behind closed doors. She's having to be isolated, very similar to what we're living in today. She had to be isolated. She had to be behind closed doors. When she had to get up and move around, she did it very secretly. But this woman thought to herself, if I can just touch the cloak of his garment... Now, it wasn't like Jesus was at a convenience store by himself with the disciples. No, no, the Bible says that this lady is cutting through a crowd. How big that crowd is. I mean, we can read in the Bible all day long. And when you see when Jesus arrives on a scene, it's not one or two people. No, it's hundreds and thousands of people. So this lady is thinking to herself, "I, I need a miracle. I need something to help me. I need something to break. I I need something to change because what's going on in my mind, I don't know if I can continue to do this. I've been bleeding for 12 years. I need a miracle. I need a touch from God. So here's this lady. She is making her way through this crowd and, and she begins to reach out her hand as she's reaching probably through the feet of all of these people, she's reaching out her hand just to touch the hem of his garment. Yes. Jesus turns around and is like, who touched me? The disciples are like, bro. <laughs> Dude, you got a whole lot of people touching you. He's like, no, 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 no. There, there was some crazy faith attached to that touch. Yeah, that's right. there, there was something on the end Of that touch. There was something there on that touch. Jesus looks at the lady and realizes that that faith coming from this lady, it was her that touched him. Jesus heals her right there. And then we read as he begins to go on to this synagogue leader's house. Now, I love this passage. Because Jesus is arriving on this scene... And it wasn't like the girl had just passed away. This had been hours since she had been lifeless. No breath in her, no movement. It had been hours that has passed before this girl had even been recognized by Jesus. But Jesus is coming around the corner and I don't know how many people were at this house. The Bible doesn't say that, but I mean, kind of picture in this moment, you're at a wake and you know, when people gather for a wake, it might be a hundred, it might be 50, it might be 20, who knows? But Jesus is going and as he's going there, he begins to hear all of this loud music. He begins to hear this this crying and this wailing. He begins to hear all of this different stuff. And he walks up to the crowd and he begins to tell the crowd, hey, hey guys, y'all need to go ahead and get out of this house. Y'all need to go ahead and move out of here. I don't know even why you're crying. I don't even know why you're playing music. The girl isn't dead. She's just asleep. How many of y'all know that's a crazy statement? (laughs) If I had a casket right here and we were kind of, you know, paying respects to this individual and Pastor Ryan comes in here and be like, Hey guys, what are y'all even doing here? Y'all, y'all, just, y'all just lonely? You're bored? I mean, what's, what's going on? Why are you crying? That girl ain't dead. She's just taking a nap. How many of y'all know y'all would be like, bro, get that dude out of here. <laughs> Jesus did some crazy things. Yeah. But he walks on the scene and he says, she's not dead. She's just asleep. He clears out the room. He's got some of his disciples with him. And, and listen, the Bible doesn't say this, but again, I like to kind of put myself in his shoes. I, I, I kind of think that maybe Jesus goes up to this casket or bed that she's lying on and there's probably some thoughts that Jesus has. And I don't know what it is, but on the inside of me, I can could, I could literally picture Jesus like, Kind of whispering something to this girl, this young girl who had died, saying, baby, baby girl, I, I know it seems like a bad dream. I, I need you to know something, that your, your days are not behind you, but your best days are ahead. I just need to whisper something into you real quick. I I need you to let you know that you are loved. I don't know what it is, why I think that, but I just really think that Jesus is not just in the room, just grabbing her up and then rolling out. I think he begins to speak life. Why? Because in order for dead things to come alive, in order for your marriage to come back to life, In order for you as an individual to come back to life so that you can look at yourself in the mirror and not be like, I can't stand what I'm seeing. I don't like who I am, what I did last night, what I did last month, what I did last year. I don't like what I'm looking at. In order for us to see things differently, we have to speak things differently. So here's Jesus speaking life. All of a sudden, The Bible says that he takes the girl by the hand and he begins to pick her up off the bed and they walk out of the house and news spread throughout all the region. My question to you today is this, how many times are we like the crowd? How many times are we like the crowd when God is wanting to move in your life, to move in your season, to move in your circumstances, to move in your thoughts, to move in your heart? How many times are we like the crowd when we begin to laugh at the very fact that Jesus is wanting to do a miracle in you? This crowd is laughing that Jesus is coming on the scene trying to raise something from the dead. How many times are we like the crowd where we look at something and we begin to laugh and write it off because we look at things in the natural and say to ourselves, There is no hope? It's a mind shift, it's a mind change. We've got to begin to do things differently. We say there's no way that can be restored. All along, God is just waiting for us to come to him and say, if you would just come and touch this situation, all can be restored. All can be restored. You know, I think this, as long as someone still has breath, God still has a purpose. As long as your marriage still has breath, God still has a purpose. As long as you are walking through life thinking, you know what? God, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm trusting in you. God still has a plan. You know, in the 1300s, there was this uh, plague that swept through Europe. It was called the Bubonic Plague. Maybe some of you know it. Maybe some of you have heard about it. But in the 1300s, there was this, this plague that sweeps through Europe. And basically, if to wrap your mind around it, think of COVID. But think of COVID in a way of they did not have the technology that they do today. In the 1300s, there's this, there's this plague that sweeps through Europe. And what happens is literally people are dying left and right. They're falling all over the place. They're literally dying all over the place. And they literally begin to start running out of room. They begin to start running out of places to bury individuals. And so what they did was they started to bury people on top of one another. Like when they would go to dig the casket and dig the hole, they would begin to have to dig it a lot deeper because the caskets would begin to sit on top of one another. Well, what they didn't realize about this plague was it was an undetectable heart rate. This plague begins to sweep through Europe, and they're burying all these people. And as they're burying these people, they're running out of room, so they're having to take these caskets out of the ground. And as they take these wooden caskets out of the ground, they take the tops off, and they begin to see that there are claw marks on the top of these caskets, realizing that they're burying people alive, not able to feel a heart rate. Not able to detect if someone was actually still living this plague had lowered the heart rate so much that it was undetectable to the touch. Again, not having the technology that we have today, they just thought and assumed, oh man, these people are dead. And so they're burying them on top of one another. Well, when they realized that they were burying people alive, what they did was they actually took a string and wrapped it around their wrists and they took the string and they ran it up to the top of the ground and they would put a bell at the top of the ground with someone watching. When someone would come alive and they would realize, man, I'm buried alive. They begin to panic. They begin to move. And as they begin to move, this bell on the top of the ground would be ringing. It's where we get the saying today, saved by the bell or graveyard shift. And we're sitting, they're sitting there and they're they're, they're waiting, they're watching this bell, they're watching it and they're watching it day in and day out and, and all over the land and all over this cemetery and all over the place there are bells ringing as people are coming alive. They're not dead, they were just asleep. And bells upon bells Upon bells are ringing all over through the night, through the day. They're just ringing and they're ringing and they're ringing. They're taking them and they're taking them out of their deathbed and out of the grave and out of these things. As the bells are ringing, they're saving the lives. Let me ask you this question today. Can you hear the bells ringing in your marriage? Can you hear the bells ringing? Yeah, I know it's hard. I know it's rough. I've gone through a divorce and I'm remarried. But that divorce was hard. Guess what? My new marriage is hard. Choose your heart. Can you look at one another and remember Can you see one another and just say, you know what, I've got to come back to the altar. I've got to come back to this covenant. I've got to come back to the place where I looked at you in your eyes and you looked at me in my eyes and we said, I do. And can you come back to this place where you had fun and you did all of these different things together. You traveled the world together. You had fun together. You used to wrestle. You used to laugh. You used to play. You used to have all this fun. But life has a tendency to suck the fun out of you. Can you hear the bells ringing in your marriage? Because your marriage is not dead. There's still hope. There's still a chance. There's still a future. Yeah, but you don't understand, Charles. You don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't, but God does. And when you allow God into a season of life that seems impossible, that seems miserable, God, I'm not gonna fight any longer. I'm not gonna retaliate any longer. I'm just gonna forgive and release them to you. Can you hear the bells ringing? Can you hear the bells ringing with your coworkers? Well, man, I just, I can't stand going to work right now. It's just miserable. I, I don't even like the atmosphere, the culture. Man, it's horrible. They're just, they're just angry people. They're miserable people. Man, if you would begin to go to your work and you can shift that culture. You can shift the environment. All it takes is one person to walk in with a smile on your face, a free coffee in a hand, a little gesture. Hey, thinking about you. Hope you have a great day. A compliment, a smile. Hey, your hair looks good. Girl, I love them flashies. You know, that's the falsies. You know, those fingernails, they're looking good. Shift the culture. Shifted? Why? Because those individuals aren't dead. They're just asleep. They have been beaten. They have been bruised. You don't know what kind of life that they have walked through. No, you go in and you say, you know what, God? I am a vessel of you. I have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of me. I'm going to walk proud. I'm going to walk strong. I'm going to go into this and I'm going to shift the atmosphere. Can you hear their bells ringing? Can you hear the bells ringing in your children? For all you students out there, can you hear the bells ringing in your schools? Because I'm here to tell you today, church, that your marriage is not dead, the coworker is not dead, you're not dead, your school is not dead. It's just asleep. All we need to do is realize and understand the power that we have that lives and dwells on the inside of us. Because it just takes a moment for Jesus to step on the scene and have a little touch of the garment. Come on, how many of y'all are in need touch of a garment today? You need a touch of the garment. With every head bowed, every eyes closed. Father, we thank you so much for what you've done. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for who you are to us. I thank you for what you have already done. Lord, you know the hearts. You know the minds. You know the situations. You know the seasons. You know the heartache. You know the failures. You know. God, you know. And we're praying today, God, that you would begin to come down upon our lives. Holy Spirit, that you would pour out your presence upon us like never before. Open up the heavens right now so every single person in these seats would be able to have a touch from you. Let us not walk out of here just walking out, but Lord, let us walk out where we are bold, that we are strong, that we know that we are children of you, that we are considered a royal priesthood in your kingdom. Lord, let us walk out with confidence. Let us be able to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, man, I am a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. Oh, I've got great things in store for me. Let us not look backwards anymore, but God, let us keep our gaze on you. Father, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church/give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.